Well, um, it's good to see you all. It's a, it's a fun morning because, um, you know, through, throughout the summer, we miss a lot of college students. Throughout the summer, some of you guys are in and out or gone for a lot of summer. So it's fun to have a lot of you back. And so this morning, uh, what, what I want to do is simply uh, catch you all up and just remind of where we've been all summer. And um, to look at what God's been doing in us and shaping in us, and, and then how that affects us moving forward. And so, um, <laughs> hope we can condense four months worth of stuff into a little bit of time. Um, we've been going through Acts 2, uh, 42 through 47. And I, if you were here back in May, I think it was in May. My sense of timing is always just like, it's terrible. Um, I think it was back in May, we, I just shared with you the journey that I've been on as an individual, that we've been on as elders at Moran Park, of really talking about, like, how do we be a faithful church? And really celebrating the fruit that God's been, been bearing, but also wanting to say, we don't want to settle for less than what he's calling us to. And not that it's like a unique calling to Moran Park, but just like the church in general. How are we doing, uh, not measuring up to another church or ourselves from years past, but measuring up to what the word says the church is called to be, the high calling of the church. How are we doing that? What needs to be adjusted? What needs to be changed? What needs to be encouraged? What needs to be spurred on? And so we've gone really slowly this summer through Acts 2, 42 through 47. We're still not even done yet, honestly. Um, but just talking about what does it mean to be devoted to the word? What does it mean to be devoted to the fellowship, right, to, to one another? What, what does it mean to be devoted to the breaking of the bread? Yeah, yeah that means communion, but also like th this deep knowing and being known by, by one another. What does it mean to be devoted to prayer, and then we see what does it mean to be devoted to meeting one another's needs and things of the like. And so um, we, we've been, I've been super encouraged. I mean, I've been super encouraged by seeing what the Lord's been doing this summer and hearing testimony of how the Lord's shaping that in you this morning. But this morning I just want to take a, a, I want to take a step back and just kind of refocus again and say, what's the Lord saying to us in Moran Park? So I'm going to start in actually Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. Verse 14 is where we're going to start. And sorry, Peter, I'm going to probably uh, start and stop and, and jumping around a little bit. So this is what it says. Paul, all right, Paul's writing to the, to the church in Ephesus, and, and this is what he's writing about how he's praying for them. Out of all the things he could be praying for and encourage them with, in this section, he's, he's praying for some specific things. And this is what he says in Ephesians 3, 14. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Okay, pause for a second. He's saying, God, I, I'm coming to the Lord, and I'm bowing my knees before him. I'm coming to him in prayer on your behalf. I'm pleading with the Father for, for your sake. But it says, for this reason that I'm doing it. Well, what is the reason that he's doing it for? In order to understand that, we've got to back up a couple verses. So back up to verse, let's start in verse 9. Back it up a little bit. I mean, you could keep backing up and backing up and backing up, and then we'd be in Ephesians 1, and we'd be here for six hours. So we're not going to do that. We'll start in verse 9 of Ephesians 3. Right before that section, he tells why. And he says, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Okay, stop for a second. He, he's in the middle of talking about how God is finally bringing to light something that has been his plan for eternity, 
something that's been on God's heart that he's wanted to accomplish, but it's been hidden from humanity. They had no idea about this plan throughout human history that God was going to accomplish. And now he's saying what's been hidden is being brought into the light. Well, what is that plan? Verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that was realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, 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 okay. stop, stop, stop. This is mind-blowing. Okay? He's saying this, you want to know what the purpose in the church is. And when I'm saying the church, when he's talking about the church, he's not talking about a building like this. He's not talking about an organization or an institution. The church is simply believers together. Right? When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are brought in, as it says, as part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We are united with him. We are in his body. But that, not in like a physical sense, but in, in a spiritual sense. But it's not just a me and Jesus kind of thing. All of us that profess Jesus Christ as Lord are now clothed with Christ, are now brought into the body of Christ. So what is the church? The church is believers together. Now it's true, and then over the next few weeks we'll get into, okay, there's certain things we do when the church gathers together, but the church in its generic sense is believers together. We are the church. So he's saying, this is the, the purpose of the church, that God has designed the church for a specific purpose, not just so we can hang out together once a week and, and check something off our list. He says this in verse 10, this is the purpose, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. It is through the church that God, the word manifold means like uh, multifaceted. It, it means complicated. Like uh, think of a diamond, right? All the different fa faces of a, of a diamond. Different, you see it this way. Whoa, it's amazing. You look over here. Whoa, that's incredible. This multifaceted manifold wisdom, God's wisdom, his character is to be displayed through the church. God has designed the church as plan A. God didn't go, okay, well, Adam and Eve, that thing kind of bombed. Let's go with Noah. Now, that kind of didn't go well either. Let's try Abraham. Now, let's try Isaac. Let's try all, right, all these things. He didn't get down to the list and go, ah, I guess we'll try Jesus and then the church as part of his body. We'll, we'll go with that plan. It says that from the beginning, it says in verse 11, it was according to the what? Eternal purpose. God's plan from the beginning was that this uh, manifold wisdom would be made known through the church, which is his own body, would be realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have an eternal and heavenly calling as the church of Jesus Christ. And that is the way that we grow, the way that we act, the way that we are maturing. The purpose is, as we've talked about before, yes, to display God's character, to get display God's essence, display who he is to the world, but not just the seen world, but also the unseen world. God has created the church to display his character. Some people go, whoa, look at him. Whoa, who is this God? Oh my goodness, look at who this God is. Not just to the world around us, but also in the heavenly places, it says, which is to the angels, the seraphim, and some would even include the fallen angels, that through the church, God's character, God's manifold wisdom would be put on display so people could see him for who he truly is. That's the calling of the church. Are you with me, church? That's a little bit more than like, hey, let's sing some songs together. It's pretty cool, right? Like, that's, that's wild. The God who chose us, these messed up, screwed up people, to display his manifold wisdom. 
It is this reason, he says in verse 12, in whom we have, talking about Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. I appreciate Paul here because he's talking about like, this calling sounds awesome, but he's talking like, it's really hard. It's, it's, really, it's really easy to lose heart. It's really easy to get discouraged. It's really easy to get beaten down. He's saying, like, I don't want you to lose heart. So it, when you get into verse 14, it says, for this reason, reminding them of, of their heavenly calling and reminding them to not lose heart in this heavenly divine calling. For this reason, I bow, verse 14, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Verse 16 that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. We've talked about this the past couple of weeks, the power and the necessity of the Holy Spirit to do what the Lord has called us to do. There's this temptation to get our orders from the Lord. God, what do you want us to do? What do you want the church to be? All right, now I'm going to go try really hard to go do it. He's saying, no, no, that's nonsense. That it is through, out of an overflow, out of an abundance of his glory, out of the overflow of the abundance of his riches of his glory, that he is granting us strength with power, not through our own self-will, not through our own discipline, not through our own awesomeness, but he is giving us strength with power through his what? Through his spirit. In our innermost being. And why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Stop there for a second. He's talking about the necessity of the Spirit filling us up to be strengthened to endure, to be strengthened to be what God's called us to be. He's talking about the, the Spirit giving us revelation of God's, of God's love. But I see what I see oftentimes happening in the church is that um, we, we make this divine calling ultimately about us. And I, I don't blame us. I mean, I think part of what happens is um, we have a culture all around us that makes it all about us. It's all about you. If it feels good, do it. Do what you want. If you don't like it, don't do it. If you want to do it. I mean, right? It's all about us. But sometimes that creeps into the church. And if we're not careful... We're like, man, I do have quite a heavenly calling. Well, this is pretty awesome. God wants to use me to make his manifold wisdom to the world. This is, this is unbelievable. But we have to remember that God gives us revelation of his love, not so we go, well, I'm amazing. He loves me. But so that, it says at the end of verse 19, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's because the more that we allow the spirit of God to fill us up, the more that we understand who he is, he then matures the very life of Jesus within us. So that as people look at us and they see God active in our lives, they see the maturity of Jesus in us, we look at each other and the world looks at us and it doesn't reveal us, but it reveals Christ and it brings him glory. Right? Even, like, yeah, all right, uh, it's like, um, okay, e even when, okay, so, some of you here have some really like, You've been through some stuff, right? And you, you find it when you give your life to Jesus and you turn from sin and, and you're rescued from the dominion of darkness and the dominion of light. When people see that, they don't look at you and go, wow, you try really hard to clean yourself up. They look at you and go, what happened to you? Because it's in your salvation that God is glorified going, wow, look what God has done. 
when your life is transformed, it's not so people look at you and go, wow, you really cleaned yourself up, man. You really did some amazing things to change your life. It's so you say, no, I had no power on my own. I am weak and helpless on my own. It is only by the power and mercy of God that he has changed my life. I was a slave to sin. He has rescued me from sin and now made me a slave to righteousness. He has rescued me from the dominion of darkness, which I was in slavery to. He has now transferred my citizenship from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of light. That is only by his grace. So when you guys come up and be like, man, I haven't smoked weed in four weeks, it's like, oh, not way to go, being disciplined, way to go. I mean, okay, I'm not saying there's no room for discipline, but at the end of the day, that it's only by the grace of God that you're able to stay sober. Like, you haven't looked at porn in three days. That's not by your own work. That is by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, 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 everything we do, right, everything we act and everything we do, it's not so people are like, wow, you're amazing, but so they go, wow. And this has been crazy, right? All summers we've grown into stuff, what God's called us to. Is I, I look around, I'm hearing testimonies, and it's not like, wow, you're doing amazing things. I mean, you are, but at the end of the day, it's so that we can testify together. Look what Jesus is doing. Come on, right? Okay. I don't even know where I am. Um, I'm thinking that's typical, that's true. Um, okay, I just get so... I'm just getting so like pumped up about this this week because our, our whole purpose in growing and maturing isn't like I gotta just try harder. It, it's so we let the Lord work through us so that He is made manifest. Okay, real quick, verse twenty. Now to Him who is able to do far more than abundantly that we can ask or think. Yeah, right. This God that we worship is not able to just do some powerful things. He, he does things more than we can even like fathom or comprehend or think about the most amazing thing we could ask. He does beyond that even. Why? According to the power at work within us, which is his very spirit that dwells within us. That's why we need to yield to the spirit because it's his power at work that will do those things. And this is where I, I want to I focus for a second. Verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Like, this is the reason, Moran Park, why we've spent four months going through, like, three verses in Acts 2. It is not simply to give you more information. It's not simply to give you more knowledge. Those things are awesome and important. The reason is because we believe that Jesus deserves to be glorified in his church. And the way that happens is when we come under submission to his lordship and his headship, and we walk in the way that he wants us to walk. Not in this obligatory, fine, I'll do what you want, but in a joy of relationship with him, in a joy of submitting to his spirit, a joy of letting him bear fruit within us as we walk in relationship with him, doing what he's called us to do. That's why we've taken so, much, so long to go through this this summer, is because we believe Jesus is worthy of a bride that is pure and holy and ready for his return. So that's why this journey, I believe, is really important that we're on. But the crazy thing is, so often our motivation for this stuff is not about the Lord, but it's ultimately about us. As I said, we've often made this about us. We've often made the church about us. But it's, it go, it's, it gets even deeper than that. I think oftentimes we've made the gospel about us, right? I want my sins to be forgiven so that I can have eternal life, and so that I don't go to hell, right? Those are all true things, and those are all good news, and that's all part of the gospel. 
but ultimately those are byproducts from the realization that there is a king who has created all things that is worthy of every knee bowing and every tongue confessing that he is Lord. There is the reality that our sin has offended him and separates us from him, and there's nothing that we can do on our own to get out of it. And it's not because we're kind of good or we take a few steps towards him. It is only by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that he sends Jesus to forgive us of our sins so that we can be restored back to him. Not just so that we can live forever and do whatever we want in heaven, but it says in John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that you would know the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The gospel is about being restored back to knowing him, back to intimacy with him, and everything else, and all the blessing, and out of the overflow of that glory, everything else that we possibly could need or want is found in that. But it's ultimately about him because he's worthy, not about us ultimately. So what happens is that like gets transferred into the church. And, um, all right, multiply time, please, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> all right, I'm going to throw, I'm going to try to draw something again. Which that alone is a grace of the Lord, right? If I can remember how to do, is this up? Like second screen, oh, just kidding. I made something disappear. Duplicate, okay. Is that up there? I hear some beeping, so that's usually good. Well, what do you do when you run into problems? You just pray about it, right? Jesus, please help. Sometimes we make this way too complicated, don't we? Man, Jesus, thank you. That was awesome. He's amazing. All right, okay. Always, right? Okay, so this is something I drew a, mod a version of this back in May. And this is the kind of what the Lord's been stirring in us here as elders at, at Moran. Is that... You know, it, it's true that we have, um, we've been exploring different vehicles of, um, of being the church together. Good morning. There we go. We, we've explored, like, the, oh, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, I can use my finger. That's why. Here we go. Okay. There. All right. That's, that's the church. I'm not trying to make a statement by how, uh, you know, janky that thing looks, but it's, uh, all right. So that, that is the, uh, the traditional setting that we do on, on a Sunday morning here together. We've also talked about exploring simpler methods of being the church in the house, a house church. And as we've journeyed together over the past number of years in this, as elders, the Lord has reminded us, like, not that structure isn't important. And it's not that vehicles aren't important, but that, that's not the end game. You can, you can do a different structure, you can do a different system, you can do a different way of being the church, but that's not going to solve the problem because... Uh, the church in America, unfortunately, in a lot of senses, is built on a faulty foundation. And, and I'm not, listen, listen, listen. When I say these things, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not on the outside going, mm, 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 mm. I'm on the inside. I've promoted this stuff. I've done this stuff. I live this stuff. I'm saying as one who is a part of it saying, yeah, we've maybe screwed up in a few things. The Lord maybe wants to change some stuff. Not in this anger, but just like in a humility going, yep, we, we've kind of screwed a few things up. And even the ways that 
we conditioned you to, to be. It's not even your fault. It's ours. We conditioned you to do certain things. And I think part of the foundation that we have as the church is not all bad. Like a lot of it's super awesome. A lot of it's built on this Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. But there are a few things that really hinder us from even the things we've talked about this summer, being devoted to the word, being devoted to fellowship and one another, being devoted to prayer and being devoted to meeting, excuse me, meeting needs. And I think one of those cracks, if you will, in the foundation is that uh, the church oftentimes promotes a very consumeristic mentality. Like we come in with a very consumeristic mentality. It's like, what do I want? How do I like the music? What do I want preaching to be like? Um, preaching about things that I like. I got programs that I like. It's ultimately about me. And then what happens, and I'm sorry to be blunt, but I, I don't have time to not be blunt, right, is uh, what ends up happening then is if my needs aren't met, it's like, well, that church didn't meet my needs. I'm going to go over there and so they can meet my needs. And I'm good to go there for a while until my needs aren't met there and I'll go somewhere else. Okay? And I'm not saying like there isn't a place for us to really have preferences but at the end of the day the church is not about you the church is about jesus being exalted and glorified and sometimes that comes through means and methods that we don't like and that we're not familiar with it's also about us edifying and building up each other not in the things that we prefer but building up and edifying each other into maturity so that we may demonstrate the manifold wisdom of god together corporately in the heavenly places but what ends up happening sometimes is like, it's, it's a barrier to be devoted to the word because I, I like the idea of being devoted to the word until it requires something of me. I like the idea of um, getting more knowledge and information, which is awesome, until I have to obey what it says. Then it's like, whoa, I'm not so sure about this anymore. I, I'm good. think one of the other cracks I, listen here's the deal with all these cracks in the foundation there's a temptation it's like well yeah it's easy just to come and sit passively by on a sunday morning that's why you need to get into a house church and i would tell you what getting into a house church will not solve this problem if you have a consumeristic mentality you get into a house church it's going to be exposed that much faster and it's going to be a disaster because there's going to be things in a house church that you're up close and personal with people and they are going to bother you like crazy. <laughs> the singing might be terrible, right? <laughs> I, didn't look at, I didn't look at you. I didn't even look in your ballpark, all right? <laughs> but the reason why we come together is not so that I could be exalted or my needs could necessarily be met. Not that your needs won't be met because they will, but ultimately it's about coming and worshiping the Lord and helping each other do the same. All right, I got to move on. And I, 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 think the, I think the with that is when we submit to the Spirit, we recognize our natural tendencies to be selfish and our natural tendencies to just want to consume. And we can simply come together and say, oh God, on my own I want to consume, but Jesus, will you come and, and will you um, make me more, more like you? Even though it makes me think like Jesus, the one who is worthy of being served, he came not to serve or not to be served, but to serve. So, so we come together with the first mentality of how do I serve the Lord and how do I serve each other when we gather as believers together. The next one, I think that is a big crack in the foundation of the American church, and we, we are no exception, is I think it would be comfort. The thing that was, is wild for me is we, we spent a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time this summer talking about what it means to be devoted to fellowship. 
And I think, don't we all, like, love that idea? Like, oh, it's these people that love me and know me, and, like, we're doing life together. This is awesome. And when I'm struggling, they're with me, and I'm going to come with them when they're struggling. That sounds really awesome. Am I right? It doesn't work that way. Because what happens is I say something that offends you. You do something that really annoys me. I'm not, I'm not like, pointing to anyone on that one, but, like, we have this tendency to then want to just fellowship with people that look like me, smell like me, act like me, and have the same background as me. Because honestly, it's way easier. You know how much work it takes to be in fellowship with someone that, that, that approaches parenting different than you, that has a different background, that views the world differently than you, that views money differently than you, that views some of the things of the Lord differently than you, that just does things different. That takes so much more effort and so much more work. It's so much more costly. And when we make the church ultimately about you and our own comfort, the minute we're uncomfortable, boo, see you later. The minute someone offends me, boo, see you later. But what happens is, is when we press in and say, no, I'm going to continue to be devoted. It's not about my comfort. It's about being obedient to the Lord and pressing on to him. That when we work towards reconciliation, when we work towards restoring things, we work towards forgiving one another, that when we look at each other and the world looks at us, they say, who is that God that empowers them to forgive like that? But again, it doesn't matter if you're in a bigger setting or a smaller setting. If you don't address the foundation of my own comfort uh, that needs to go, then it doesn't matter. Here's another one. Oh, yeah, this is a good one, too. We uh, live in such a celebrity culture. And, and it's... We talked about this a little bit earlier this summer, too, is in celebrity culture. And it's not just that we like to make professionals out of people, which we totally do. But also, is in celebrity culture, we want to be thought well of. We want to be liked. I want to be praised. I want to be put on a pedestal. Rather than Jesus, the one who's worthy of being put on a pedestal, being the one that gets the praise. So this is going to affect our vulnerability. We talked about being devoted to one another, being devoted to fellowship, being devoted to breaking a bread, of truly knowing and being known. There's a cost to that of being vulnerable where I don't want to be vulnerable a lot of times because well, I don't want you to look at me and think that I don't have it all together. What ends up happening then is I'm making myself the focus of being the body of Christ rather than Christ. And when I recognize that it is the, in my weakness the spirit of God rests upon me, it's in my weakness that you see, wow, you are really screwed up. Praise God for his ongoing grace that he continues to lavish upon you. Praise God that he continues to not give up on you when you screwed up again on the same dumb thing that you said you weren't going to do last week, right? That in our vulnerability, yes, it causes us to not be thought well of and it has to get rid of a celebrity complex, but it puts in the proper position the one who is worthy of being the celebrity, and that is Jesus Christ himself. There's another one um, that we, we have, and I think goes along with this, is that we, we have a foundation oftentimes of comparison. And yeah, we like compare church to church, but we often compare ourselves to one another. And so um, we, we compare ourselves to each other, being like, oh, you must not be doing it right because your, your journey doesn't look like mine, right? Or uh, ooh, we do this all the time with gifts. <laughs> so we think like, oh, man, I could never do that because I couldn't, I couldn't teach the way you teach. I don't love the way you love. I don't care the way you do. And so we start comparing gifts to one another and disqualifying ourselves from using gifts. And, and we have even created systems that elevate certain gifts over other gifts. Listen, I'm not dogging what we're doing with however many people that are here. I don't really care how many are here. It's cool that we can celebrate and worship together. But there are systems in place 
that not every one of you get to use your gifts while we gather together in this kind of setting. And in essence, what we've done is we've elevated certain gifts above the rest. So we, the gift of teaching is up there, the gift of leading worship, the gift of some other things, and we've disqualified the rest of the gifts. Now, we've never said it that way, and I'm sorry to be that blunt, but that's what we've done through the system. It's not that the structure's bad when we gather, it's simply there are limitations to this many people in one room that prevents us from fully functioning as the church together. I'm not, I'm not saying to be like, what? Okay, okay. I'm not saying we blow this whole thing up. There is a lot of beauty when we come together as the body, you know, as a bigger body of Christ. But what ends up happening then is we, we professionalize the church where we pay certain people, we have certain spiritually gifted people, they get to do the stuff, the rest of us just sit back, and you have no opportunity to use your gifts. I mean, it even says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, all right, what do we do then, brothers? When we gather together, meaning as the church, each one of you has a, a hymn, a song, a tongue, an interpretation, a teaching, all for the building up. There's this expectation that you all have gifts to contribute. And not just like once a year on something, but when we gather together as the body of Christ, there's an expectation that you have gifts that get to be used. But in this structure and in this setting, if we all did that, we'd be here for six days, right? So that's why the Lord's stirring your heart saying, hey, how does house church play into this? We House church complements what we're doing here on a Sunday morning, not replaces necessarily, but complements what we're doing. A space where you get to use your gifts, a space where you get to be the church with one another, where there's space and safety in a smaller setting for you to step out and use the things that God has called you to do. But in order for that to happen is we have to stop comparing our gifts with one another and stop placing importance of gifts here and there, but to say, God has called me to certain gifts, God's called you to certain gifts, and we're going to step out in obedience and use those gifts however he sees fit to use those. Amen? Sorry if I, like, just dropped a bomb on you. Like, if you haven't been here all summer, it's like, what the? Yeah, I'm sorry. I know, when I talk about this sometimes, people are like, so you hate Sunday morning. I love, I love, I love, I love what we do Sunday morning. But we just got to be honest. But they're just limitations. You guys can't know and be known by each other here, honestly, right? And so we're trying to explore as elders and it, it, how do we function in a way that helps us grow in maturity? To add on to what we're doing here on Sunday morning. How do we cultivate that together? But that gets me to the, to the next one, the last one here, and that is, uh, that is control. I don't know, maybe it's just a me thing. I don't like a mess so much, and I like to be in control. Just saying. So what ends up happening is, for the sake of control and for the sake of order and for the sake of messes happening, what ends up happening is we try to control other people in their growth of sanctification. We try to control them how they grow into maturity. We can try to control their path. We try to prevent them from making any mistakes. And, and then what ends up happening on a structural level is we start saying things like, well, so to make sure it's not abused, only certain people can, can do certain things in the church. Only certain people can do baptism. Only certain people can baptize others. Only certain people can do communion. Only certain people can teach. And what ends up happening is we limit you and ripping you off to prevent you from doing the things that God has called you and empowered you and called you to be as the church. Let me make it clear. We believe that there is going to be a mess when we invite you to empower you to be the church together. It is going to be a mess. But someone once said to me, 
the place where there's no mess, it's simply that's where death is. You go to a graveyard, there's no mess, but it's dead. You want to see life? <laughs> Come to my house when my kids are four, seven, and nine, and it's insane, right? But there's life. We want to empower you, we want to train you, we want to equip you to be the church together. That means you get to baptize, you get to administer communion, you get to study the word together, you get to care for each other, you get to love each other, you get to meet needs, you get to lay down your life for one another, you get to share the gospel, you get to go on prayer walks, you get to do this stuff, you get to serve one another, you get to meet one another's needs, you get to sell your stuff and give it to one another. And, and that is a high calling. And let me tell you, that isn't necessarily going to happen because you simply step into a new structure. That is a matter and an issue of the heart. And that's why this summer we've talked a little bit about structure, but we haven't intentionally talked about it much. Because the point isn't for you to get into a house church. The goal for you isn't to sign up for a house church. The goal is for us together to explore what does it look like to build the church on a faithful foundation. And for some of you, that might include a house church. For others, it might not. House church is simply a vehicle to explore and learn together what it means to function as the church. At the end of the month, there is an opportunity to have further conversations. What does it look like for you? It's in your program, but what does it look like for you to step in to be the church? What, what would my house church look like for you? What might other things look like for you to function as a church? And if God is stirring these things and you're like, I want to I I walk with you and I want to be a part of this with Moran Park and how I can be stepping in to be function as a church, I invite you to participate in that. But for me, as I mentioned the other week, this issue of control has been a huge thing for me. I'm a guy that likes to know where we're going and how we're going to get there. Like, the Lord's grown me over the years, so I'm comfortable with, like, like, I know where we're going, and I only know the next step. I don't know after that, and I'm cool. But in this season of ministry at Moran Park with the elders, I, I only, us as elders, we typically only know the next step, and I don't know where this path is leading, and it's terrifying sometimes. But we believe that the Lord's going to speak to us corporately as we grow into maturity in these things of building a firm foundation of what it means to be the church together. And I want to remind you, the ways that you've pressed into it this summer, the ways that you are growing in this, I am so proud of you. I am so pumped. We don't stand up here to like, let's take a stick and be like, we're doing it all wrong, we're horrible. The Lord is growing us. We simply say we want to grow into greater maturity because the Lord's worthy of it. We want to continue to rely on the Spirit to guide us and give us direction as we explore what it means to faithfully be the church together. And I'm going to say it again, and I'll keep saying it. We don't have all the answers, but we trust that as we need to know the answers, the Spirit will give us the answers as we go. If some of this stuff that we've been talking about and are going to continue to talk about, if it, if it continues just to stir questions in you, um, I, I love hanging out for coffee. Uh, I love burritos, too. Breakfast or normal burritos, it doesn't matter. They're happy just to have conversations and talk together about what this means. Because the Lord's just making it clear that some things need to be addressed and some things need to be uh, shored up in the foundation of the Christ. And he's doing it. He is doing it. And I'm faithful that the work he's begun, he will see it to completion so that we can continue to grow in maturity and accurately reflect the manifold wisdom of God to the, in the heavenly places and on the earth. All right, let's pray. I'm going to invite the band up as we pray.
God, thanks for not letting us settle for what we're comfortable with. God, we, we want to we wanna be faithful. We want to grow in maturity, not because we you know, earned some special thing with you or not because we can you know, check a thing off our box, but simply because you're worth it. God, so for the, the things that I've said today that um, take further uh, wrestling around in hearts and minds, God, would you be so gracious as we continue through the power of your spirit to lead us in that. For those specific points, God, that you're, pour, you're, you're, you're pricking at us saying, I want you to address this in your heart and your life. God, would you give us the grace to walk that out this week? For the ways, God, that us as individuals and corporately that we have uh, allowed cracks in our foundation and embraced them, God, uh, we ask again, you'd be so gracious as to grant us repentance that leads to life. For the ways that we've made the church ultimately about ourselves, but God, we're, we're sorry. For the ways, God, that I've even personally tried to sink myself in as the head of the church rather than you, God, I'm sorry. We thank you and we stand confidently here saying, Jesus, you are the head of your church. You are leading us, you are guiding us, and you are growing us in maturity. God, we ask that you continue to pour out generously your spirit upon us. That you would fill us with your spirit and empower us to do the things that you've called us to do, God. And as we, we continue to come back and recognize this morning, any fruit that, is, that comes is because of you. We can do nothing apart from you. So we thank you, God, for rescuing us. We thank you for bringing us a part of your church, God. We thank you that you are growing us into greater maturity. God, I pray that you would awaken our hearts, God, to not walk in condemnation, to not walk in shame, to not walk in regret, God, but that we'd walk in, in an expectation of what you're going to do, that you uh, we'd walk in a faith of expecting you to move, God. So, God, we continue to give us our journeys together as a church. We continue to say, lead us, guide us, speak to us. We thank you for the ways that you've been faithful in that. God, but ultimately, at the end of the day, we, we don't want it to be about a method. We don't want it to be about steps. We don't want it to be about our way of doing things. We want it to be about you, King Jesus. So, God, would you lift our gaze? Would you lift our attention? Would you lift our focus towards you, Jesus? That we would have a greater revelation of your glory, your splendor, and worth, and we give you the praise that you're due. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.